The thirty seventh book of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book thirty seven. The Argument. Rogero with his sister and his spouse, fine Ulany, half stripped and strangely used, straight each of them, but chief Marfisa, vows to be avenged on him that her misused. She hears the law that women none allows. She finds the man that hath the sex refused. She plagues the tyrant for his proud behavior, and makes another law in women's favor. If worthy ladies would betake such pain and studies that immortal glory raise, as they do often take in matters vain, deserving none at all or little praise, which notwithstanding that they might obtain, they have employed many nights and days to have thereby some trifling want supplied, that niggard nature hath to them denied. And further, if they could with their own pen set forth the worthy praise of their own kind, and not to be beholden unto men whom hate and envy often so doth blind to make us hear the good but now and then, but every place full of their ill we find, then sure I judge their praises would be such as hardly men should have attained so much. For many writers do not only strive too highly to extol our sex's fame, but that they think they must withal contrive to publish women's blemish and their blame, as fearing haply lest they might arrive by their most due desert to greater name, and so they might thereby obscure our praise, as doth a cloud the sun's bright shining rays. But yet for all such sparing pens do write or lavish tongues can speak in their disgrace enforcing every ill report for spite that may their credit slander and deface we still shall find their glory shining bright we still shall see it keeps a worthy place though wanting of that height the greater part to which it should attain to by desert harpolice and tomarus beside with those that turnus did and hector aid beside that dame that in an ox's hide the first foundation of fair Carthage laid, Zenobia, eke, and she that quailed the pride of Assur, and both Ind and Persia frayed, I say there have been many more than these that have been famous, both by land and seas. Nor only Rome and Greece have bred such store of faithful matrons, chaste and stout and wise, but all the world beside, some less, some more from whence it sets to where the sun doth rise, though now their names obscured are so sore that few or none are laid before our eyes, and all because that they in those days' rate were envious and false and full of hate. Yet cease not, ladies, ye that virtue love, to follow that your course and so good way, and let not fear your minds from it remove, that your great fame hereafter may decay, for true it is, as we do daily prove, no good nor ill can still stand at a stay. Though writers in time past were not your friends, the present time shall make you large amends. The worthy writers of this present time have set your worthy praises so to view, some in grave prose and some in learned rhyme, as none shall need this want hereafter rue. And though they were infected with this crime, yet in this age so learned are some of you, so well acquainted with the noble muses, you could yourselves remedy such abuses. And if I should recite the names of those that by the writers of our times are praised, or that themselves have wrote in verse or prose, and have their own and others' glories raised, 
as i might please some few so i suppose i might be blamed of others and dispraised or in omitting some to do them wrong or reckoning all too tedious wax and long shall i then all omit that were not well sith that to please them all i do desire then i will choose some one that doth excel the rest so far as none may dare envy her whose name doth in such height of honour dwell as hard it is for any to come nigh her whose learned pen such privilege can give as it can make even those are dead to live for even as phoebus shines on every star yet on his sister casts his fairest light so eloquence and grace a shining are much more on her than any other white and maketh her to pass the rest as far as phoebe doth the other stars in night her light so splendent is and so divine as makes another sun on earth to shine vittoria is her name a most fit name for one in triumphs born in triumphs bred that passeth artemisia in the fame of doing honour to her husband dead for though she did erect a wondrous frame for her mausoleo with the pyramid yet which is more to lay the dead in grave or else from death with learned pen to save if laodame and if brutus wife argia aria and evadne chaste be to be praised as they are so rife because when as their husbands days were past they willingly forsook this mortal life then in what height must she of right be placed that such a gift unto her spouse doth give that being dead she still doth make him live and if the great macedon envy bear unto achilles for meonian lyre much more to noble francis of pescar he would have borne whose praise is sounded higher by such a wife so virtuous chaste and rare as even thy soul itself could not desire a louder trump thy praises out to sound sith hardly can a match to this be found but to conclude both these and other praise that i may follow on my present story i say that both in these and former days fair dames have merited great fame and glory which though by writers envy much decays yet need you not therefore now to be sorry because amongst us all it is intended that this foul fault hereafter shall be mended now of marphisa and abradamant i mean to tell that still were so victorious as both my voice too faint and skill too scant would be to count their famous deeds and glorious yet shall good will so far supply my want as i will reckon those were most notorious and were my might agreeing to my mind i would deserve as well of all their kind if you remember i declare it erst how good rogero purposed to return and how he heard the sound i then rehearsed of some that seemed woefully to mourn which wailing so his mind with pity pierced as he awhile his journey did adjourn both that to know the parties he desired and meant to succour them if cause required with him those dames the noble cousins went and when they nearer came unto the place they saw three damsels woefully lament apparelled strangely and in sorry case their clothing all had been clipped off and rent up to their navels to their foul disgrace they sitting on the ground and durst not rise to hide their secret parts from strangers eyes as vulcan's son by pallas pointment nursed whom without mother got of earth he had for whom aglar was plagued because she durst look on him when the goddess had forbade 
sat in a coach by him devised first to hide his legs that were deformed and bad so sat the woeful maids their secrets hiding scarce from the ground to lift their looks abiding the foul prospect did with great wrath inflame the worthy dames when they did plain at view and in the maids behalf they blushed for shame as do in pestis gardens roses new but bradamant when as more near she came was grieved more for one of them she knew whose name was ulany that since a while was unto france sent from the island isle she also knew both t'other in effect for she had met them travelling on that coast but yet her speech she chiefly did direct to ulany whom she regarded most and asked her what vile wight did so neglect all law and had all human nature lost as that without remorse he could abide to leave that bear that nature seeks to hide poor ulany that both by speech and sight the worthy damsel bradamant did know to be a lady whom she saw last night to give three princes such an overthrow when first a while she saw but had and sight the manner and the matter plain doth show how people near that place did ill entreat them and clip their clothes and also whip and beat them fast by said she the castle you may see where they do keep that us so ill did use as for the shield of gold and princes three that came to win it she could tell no news we only meant to trudge on foot said she to make complaint of those did us abuse unto the noble christian emperor charles who punish will i trust such lawless carls brave bradamant and stout marfisa longs to go immediately unto this place and be avenged on such enormous wrongs done as they deem to all the sex disgrace rogero eke that knows well what belongs unto the law of knighthood in such case to succour all that are by wrong oppressed but chiefly women goes without request with one consent they all put off their bases which served the maidens very fit to hide the secret parts of those same privy places that modesty to show cannot abide then bradamant straightway behind her places fair ulany and makes her so to ride marfisa and rogero take the pain behind themselves to place the other twain the dame of dordan led them all the way the t'other two do follow with great haste but ulany showed where the castle lay to which they many a hill and valley passed but now so much was spent of that same day that they were quite benighted at the last at night to take a village they were glad where they good meat good drink good lodging had but when to look about them they began they none could see but women in that place the women dressed brought all and not a man in all the village that did show his face among themselves they on the matter scan and much they mused at so strange a case among so many fair foul young and old as there they saw not one man to behold i think that jason never marvelled more nor those his argonauts that with him came then when they first arrived at lemnos shore where they found none but women void of shame that had their sires and brethren slain before and did a commonwealth of women frame then did rogero with the ladies wonder to see no men but women such a number wherefore when first they had in seemly sort provided raiment for the damsels three if not so sumptuous certes not so short but to conceal that which men should not see then they desired some dweller there report to them what might the cause and reason be why in this town there were allowed no men and in this sort the woman answered then 
This order, at the which you seem to wonder, Was by a tyrant pointed for our pain, A tyrant whose subjection we are under, Who by his proclamation doth ordain From mothers sons, from husbands wives to sunder, And in such hard exile we must remain, And suffer not by merit, but by force, From our dear spouses such a long divorce. Thrice have the trees with winter been deleaved since we have been into this place confined, of husbands, fathers, and of sons bereaved, so sore the tyrant hateth all our kind, and if that any chance to be perceived, as some perhaps there be that are so kind, to come but once to look upon his wife, the man and woman both shall lose their life. The lawless wretch that makes this cruel law dwells two leagues hence, and is of such behavior as from his purpose no man can him draw, how much soever he be in his favor. He doth all women from his land withdraw, as if he were infected with their savor. He is so fierce, so sturdy, and so strong, that none dare once protect whom he will wrong. And, which is strange, he useth strangers worst, if any happen to his house arrive. It seems he hath of women's blood some thirst, for though he let them part from thence alive, yet first, with whipping and with usage cursed, he doth their torment and reproach contrive. Wherefore, if you your safeties do regard, I wish you not to travel thitherward. At this Marphisa and the Dordan dame were much incensed, and did desire to know how he was called and whence his fury came, that made him first to such a madness grow. The woman maketh answer thus, his name is Marganor, and if you please I'll show the whole discourse. To this they all agreed, and she then on her tale did thus proceed. This Marganor that makes full many weep was bloody from his birth by disposition, but yet a while he did dissemble deep, that of the same there was but some suspicion. His sons did make him it the closer keep, because they were of contrary condition, both bounteous, frank, and courteous, of good quality, of strangers, lovers, and of hospitality. Fair dames and knights that happed to pass this way were still by them so friendly entertained, that by such kind of courteous usage they the love and praise of every one had gained their honours also farther to display, the sacred right of knighthood they obtained, both stout, both strong, comely, and of good stature, not wanting ornaments of art or nature. Kilandro and Tanacro named they were, and long they lived with no dishonour stained, and longer had, if they had been so ware as not in Cupid's snares to have been trained. This foolish passion foiled all their welfare, the passion men call love. This them constrained to change the worthy course they had begun, and do that by the which they were undone. It happened that there thither came a knight belonging to this emperor of Greece, who brought with him a lady fair and bright, of good behavior and a lovely peace, with whom Kilandro fell in love that night, and fully bent of her to have a fleece. He thought her beauty so possessed his heart that he should surely die if she depart, and for he deemed it labor lost to pray, to open force he doth himself dispose, and secretly, all armed unto the way where t'other needs must pass afore he goes, and seeing him he would no longer stay, but trusting to his manhood comes to blows, not seeking vantage, 
but with lance to lance he minds to try a fight the doubtful chance not thinking though but with his sewer running to bear him down and bear away his wife but this same knight that in this art was cunning did pierce his shield and reft him of his life the news hereof unto his father coming filled all the court with plaints and sorrows rife at last when long the time had been deferred by his great ancestors they him interred nor did this foul mishap and ill success make marganor to minish aught his port tanacro still did courtesy profess to strangers all and used them in good sort but lo it chanced within a year and less a noble baron thither did resort a comely man of personage to see with him a lady fair as fair might be and to her beauty her behaviour fitted her looks were modest manners sober are her words are ware and show her sharply witted likewise her lord himself most comely bear as fit to whom the charge should be committed of one in shape and quality so rare he hight olindro lord of longavilla the lovely lady named was drusilla no less tanacro doted on this dame than had his brother done on that before but that foul end to which his brother came made him more wary though not honest more by former good report that bred him fame and all his passed praise he sets no store be fame be virtue trodden in the dust so he may but fulfil his present lust thus caring only to avoid the danger in which he saw before his brother died he secretly that night waylaid the stranger there as he knew next day he needs must ride not meaning his own person to endanger in fine the baron that to save his bride did stoutly give and take full many a wound at last they left foul murdered on the ground drusilla seeing her dear olindro dead in deadly sound unto the ground she sank but thence in courteous sort the men her led whom to have killed her she would give more thank but grief in her such will to die had bred that wilfully she leaped down from a bank to kill herself but poor soul could not die but all her head and face was bruised thereby tanacro get some surgeons and physicians to look unto her health and hurts to cure he causeth her to hear most rare musicians to cheer her heart and solace to procure he makes great brags of her so chaste conditions with mind by marriage to make her sure he thinks a woman of so virtuous life must not be termed a lemon but a wife to marry her he inwardly intends this outwardly in show he doth make known and evermore he highly her commends and though her grief was by his doings grown he saith he will for this make large amends and that he will her love and be her own but still the more that on the point he grateth the more in heart she him detests and hateth but yet her hate did not so blind her wit but that to keep it close she took good heed she knew full well she must dissemble it if she will be revenged of him indeed wherefore until the time may serve her fit she seems unto his meaning half agreed and did in show the same so smoothly carry that lastly she consented him to marry sweet peace and love were written in her eyes revenge and hate were in her heart engraved to kill him in her thought she doth devise when with most kindness she herself behaved he needs must die needs die in any wise but even thus long to live of god she craved 
How can I better end my life, she saith, than in revenging my dear husband's death? Thus, seeming to forget all former wrong, she cheerfully expects the wedding day as though that she did for this marriage long, and so she did, although another way. She shortens all that might the time prolong, and paints herself and tricks her, trim and gay. She only craved thus much for Christ's passion, she might be married of her country fashion, not that her speech herein indeed was true, that such the custom was as she pretended, but she doth mind to forge a custom new, with trust assuredly to be revenged on him that her beloved husband slew. Revenge, revenge was all that she intended. She prayeth she might observe her country guise, which in this sort she doth to them devise. The widow that to marry new intends, according as our country law allows, must first appease the ghost whom she offends, I mean, saith she, that of her former spouse, and make unto his spirit some amends by dirges, trentals, masses, prayers, and vows, in that same church whereas his bones be resting. Then may she marry new without molesting. But when of her new spouse she takes the ring, the priest, in sight of all that stand about, of hallowed wine a bottle then must bring, and in the chalice he must pour it out. Then over it he must both say and sing effectual prayers and psalms and hymns devout. Then must the woman take it of the vicar, and drink unto her spouse the blessed liquor. Tanacro liketh well of this her motion, respecting little how much it imported to let her marry with so strange devotion. He only wished to have the season shorted, and not mistrusting that same hallowed potion to cut off all delays he her exhorted. Each makes like haste, though sundry in construction, he to her wedding, she to his destruction. Among her women servants that were there, Drusilla had one old, ill-favoured trot. She calleth her, and bade her in her ear that some strong, sudden poison may be got. You know, said she, to get it how and where, convey it safe into some pretty pot. For I, quoth she, have found the way and skill the wicked son of Marganor to kill, and doubt not I know how to save us both, as I will let thee know at better leisure. The woman doth the feet, though seeming loath, save only that it was her mistress' pleasure. Then for a cup of candy wine she goeth and mingles this and that in so due measure as made it, with but little alteration, not sour in taste, yet sure in operation. Now came Drusilla on the wedding day with gorgeous gowns and costly jewels decked, there where Olindro's corpse entombed lay, raised high on columns as she did direct. The priest began the solemn mass to say, to which came great resort without suspect, and Marganor himself, now most contenting, came with his son and friends, the place frequenting. When all the solemn rites to end were brought, then in a cup of massy gold and fine the priest poured out, as she before had taught, the cursed poison with the blessed wine. She soberly drinks a convenient draught, enough to do the feat she did design. Then to Tanacro, with a lovely cheer she gave it, who supped up the chalice clear, and rendering then the chalice to the friar, he thought in open arms her to embrace, but then she suddenly began retire, 
then her sweet looks and words so full of grace were gone her eyes did seem to flame like fire then wrath and spite were written in her face she cries with grisly look and voice unpleasant avaunt and touch not me thou traitor peasant thoughtst thou of me solace to have and sport and bring me cause of torment tears and woe no now i trow that i have cut thee short that drink was poison if you do not know but ah this death is of too gentle sort and i too noble hangman am i trow a hangman ought with halter stop thy breath this was for thee too honourable death my only sorrow is that ere i died my sacrifice was not in full perfection and that thy wicked sire and more beside did not with thee taste of that strong confection but pardon me my dear dead spouse she cried if i have failed for fault of good direction if i perhaps have not done all i should do yet sure i have performed all i could do and look what i do want in all or part in working him torture condign and shame i hope the world to come with greater smart will pay it him and i shall see the same thus much she said and then with cheerful heart still calling on her former spouse's name take here in worth said she this sacrifice that thy poor wife did for thy sake devise and of our lord for me a place obtain in paradise with thy most blessed spirit and if he say that none must there remain but they that by good works the same inherit tell him i have a cruel tyrant slain of tyrant's death i bring with me the merit to kill a tyrant what can be more glorious or in the sight of god more meritorious thus much she said and fell dead therewithal and being dead she kept a cheerful look and sure to her the comfort was not small that for her spouse so sharp revenge she took i know not if tanacro in his fall did follow her or else her overtook he overtook her sure as may be thought that drank the bottom and the greater draught fell marganor that heard his son's last groan and seeing him lie dead past all relief made at the first so great and grievous moan as though he would have died of very grief two sons he had of late now hath he none two women had hereof been causes chief one moved the first to hazard life the t'other with her own hands gave poison to his brother love pity grief disdain and hate and wrath despair of death and of revenge together the doleful parent so enraged hath like to the roaring seas in foulest weather fain to drusilla he would do some scath but she was dead before yet goes he thither as blinded hate did him still forward prick he ceased to harm the course that was not quick even as a snake whom spear to ground doth nail doth bite the steel and wood that sense hath none or as a dog that doth a man assail if one do fling at him a stick or stone doth run and bite the same without avail till he that hurled it is past and gone so marganor more fierce than dog or snake seeks on the senseless course revenge to take and when that harrying it and all to tearing could not in any part his wrath assuage even in the church on us no such thing fearing he draws his sword and in his senseless rage doth hew and mangle women none forbearing for dignity for beauty nor for age 
while we cried out and at his fury wondered he thirty killed and hurt and maimed a hundred so sorely of his people he is dreaded that no man dare against his acts oppose him unto his will he is so firmly wedded that for the time stark mad you would suppose him who would reform him hang shall be and headed for burden of his pain when once he knows him his servants do as doth the proverb say when fury runs let fury have her sway but when at last himself was almost tired with killing us though void of all remorse then by his friend's request he was desired and as it were constrained by honest force and to his castle he himself retired appointing there this law of our divorce and clemency forsooth he doth it call in that he did forbear to kill us all thus whether they obeyed or else repined men are from wives babes from their dames divided and hither all the women be confined this town a purpose is for us provided where if that any man to love inclined and by a good and kind affection guided come but to see his wife and thereby show it woe be to him if marganor may know it and worse than this he hath ordained an order such one i think was never heard before all women that are ta'en within his border must first be whipped with rods till they be sore and then he doth their vestments disorder by clipping them behind and eke before and so away he sendeth them half stripped when first they have been beaten well and whipped and if that any hope to have assistance or bring some knights them to defend and save forthwith he killeth them and their assistance as sacrifices on his children's grave so as no hope there is to make resistance for evermore he if he list can have at his command of men a mighty power by name one thousand even within an hour and further all men in his realm he takes by either fair persuasions or by fear upon the sacrament to swear he makes that a they shall to women hatred bear now for your own and these fair ladies sakes judge you if you have reason to forbear unto his castle nearer to approach except you will be shamed with foul reproach this tale so much did move the warriors three with pity first and then with high disdain that save it was so dark they could not see they would have gone even then him to have slain now for that night they rest but they decree as soon as phoebus should return again to arm themselves and boldly to adventure upon the tyrant's hold by force to enter now as they were about their horse to take they saw before them at the mountain's root some twenty men that no great haste did make but some on horseback were and some on foot all armed these three them soon did overtake before they full had rode an arrow shoot and then they saw how they did bear by force an aged beldam on a sumpter horse this was forsooth drusilla's chambermaid that to her mistress that same poison gave and being then mistrustful and afraid what strange effect it fortune might to have upon the wedding day from church she stayed and so by secret flight herself did save and kept herself three years from law and trial till marganor had found her by a spile what cannot gain and hope of money work first by his coin he learned where she lay then with his coin he set these men a-work who in this sort did fetch her thence away and of a lord in whose land she did lurk with promise that she safely there should stay with coin of that same baron her he bought 
Ah, noble men, can nobles make you naught? Look how the great and stately stream of Poe, the nearer he unto the sea descends, when Lambra, Tyson, Ada, with some moe, fall into him, and their due tribute sends, the broader and the deeper still doth grow. Even so, the more that Marganor offends, the greater will in these three champions breeds to be avenged on so vile misdeeds. Yet first to free this woman they intend, who else, at least, should have been hanged in chains. Straight on those louts all three their forces bend, they couch their spears and slack their horses' reins, An host of men could scarce such force defend, much less a sort of dastard hireling swains. Wherefore they cast away their warlike tools, their carriage left, and went away like fools. Even as a greedy wolf that runneth loaden with his desired prey into his den, that finds unwares the way to him foreboden by hunting dogs or by the hunting men, hurls down his prey, and by the paths untrodden doth fly for life. So did these cullions then, not only that their prisoner enlarge, but leave their horses and their other charge. Some others force, some their own fear, on horses, by means whereof they did at ease provide for these three damsels good convenient horses that yesterday behind them three did ride. Also Rogero, that old trot, enforces, though she in vain refused and denied, to go with them lamenting sore and wailing, but all her lamentation not availing. Now were they come unto the town at length, about the which there was no ditch nor wall, yet were the houses built in breadth and length both orderly and very strong withal. A castle in the midst of mighty strength stood on a rock that overlooked them all. To this they march with great desire and longing, because it was to Marganor belonging. Within this town no sooner set they feet, but that the guard that kept the watch began behind them step, and chained fast the street. Some others, with the greatest haste they can, called Marganor, that straight came them to meet, with guard of many a tall and sturdy man, who, with a speech but short, yet full of pride, the lewd law of his city signified. Marphisa, who beforehand had agreed upon the matter with the other two, set spurs to horse, and galloping, instead of making answer, makes no more ado, but being of her person strong indeed, employing neither lance nor sword thereto, with bended fist she gives him such a box as stonied him, and would have felled an ox. Nor doth Rogero nor the dame of France grant to the others any time of ease, but chief the damsel that with gold a lance doth throw to ground as many as she please. No man there was that durst himself advance to stand unto the shock with one of these. Rogero seven, she threw down seven times seven, even as if thunder had fallen down from heaven. The hurtless people to their houses fled, the heartless soldiers followed them as fast. None stayed behind, but those were maimed or dead, and Marganor alone was left at last, and by Marphisa now is captive-led, who with his arms behind him pinioned fast, gave him Drusilla's maid to be tormented, and would have burned the town had they consented, but all consent the law to abrogate. The people easily were won thereto, and to accept one of another rate, which there was ratified with small ado. His law and him they did detest and hate, 
yet as him list they were content to do as still we see the foolish common use obey him best that doth them most abuse and why they dare not one another trust nor tell to one another their complaints they let him kill and banish whom he lust one's goods he takes another's house he taints the silent soul yet cries for vengeance just unto the mighty god and to his saints who though they seem in punishing but slow yet pay they home at last with heave and hoe so now these silly souls inflamed with ire with speech and deeds do make their stomachs known and as the proverb saith each man bears fire to burn the tree the wind hath overthrown ye princes that do tyrannize desire mark this man's end and make his case your own believe it well that god doth ever send unto a wicked life a wretched end out came the young and old the great and small in words and works to do him great disgrace he that so terrible was erst to all is now despised of all a wondrous case yea those three warriors had ado not small to keep him now from killing in the place not that they cared to have his life preserved but unto greater pains they him reserved they gave him bound unto that woman aged that erst upon drusilla did attend and to those three whose minds were yet enraged whom whipped and stripped he lately thence did send these with sharp goads and knives his body gauged and to torment him all their wits did bend now some cast stones and some with needles prick him some scratch some bite with feet some spurn and kick him even as a brook new swoln with rage of rain or with a sudden thaw of melting snow oft bears down rocks and trees with force so main as herds doth drown and houses overthrow a drouth doth come and then that brook again abates his pride and is at last so low a woman yea a child with small ado may pass the same and never wet their shoe so marganor that erst in pomp and pride made hearts of men to quake when he was named to lowest ebb now turned sees his tide his comb now cut his fury now is tamed now kennel rakers scorn him and deride to look men in the face he is ashamed small children yea the babes be not afeard to pill away his hair from head and beard the while rogero with those champions twain the castle summoned that did gladly yield here uleni recovered again which lately she had lost her golden shield here met they those three kings which to their pain dame radamant had twice o'erthrown in field at the same castle where before i told she wan their lodging and made them lie cold since which on foot unarmed they vowed to go which want fair uleni from death did save for all that went with armed men guarded so were sacrificed on tanacro's grave yet better of the twain it was to show the parts that modesty concealed would have for why both this and every other shame is half excused if force procure the same marphisa straight a parliament did call of all the town and made them take an oath of high and low rich poor and great and small although they were content or else were loath that to their wives they should be subject all that in their houses and the city both the women should have rule such power such graces as men are wont to have in other places 
she further made this notable decree that lodging meat and drink should be forbode to travellers of whatsoe'er degree admit they go on foot or that they rode within that town except they first agree to swear by some great saint or else by god that they should evermore be women's friends and foe unto their foes to their lives ends and whatsoever stranger there arrives must further swear before they go their way if or they have or mean to marry wives that evermore they shall their wills obey this must they keep on peril of their lives for why she vows to come ere twelve months day and if she find her law broke in that city to sack and burn the same without all pity this done the warriors three did hasten hence but yet their going they so long deferred until drusilla's course was ta'en from thence where as it seemed it was but homely buried and order ta'en with cost and good expense her spouse and she might nobly be interred with epitaphs by which was signified in how great honour they both lived and died marphisa made her law in marble fair upon a pillar to be written down and then rogero with the warlike pair of damsels took their leaves of all the town but ulany her garments doth repair and stays to make some new and costly gown she thinks to come to court were great dishonour except she had some sumptuous clothing on her therefore she stayed behind and in her power was marganor by those same warriors given who had new torments taught him every hour and was at last by his sharp judges driven to leap down headlong from a mighty tower where all his bones and flesh were broke and riven of him nor these i have no more to say but of those three that went the t'other way the rest of that same day together riding and half the next in company they spent until they found a way in twain dividing one to the camp t'other to arley went here oft they take their leaves yet still abiding for ever parting makes friends ill content in fine the night the way to arley took they to the camp and thus i end this book end of book thirty seven